Good evening. Thank you for joining us here at the Boonville Church of Christ. My name is Jeremy Jones, and uh, tonight we'll be studying some more about great, great lessons from great Bible characters. I'm so thankful for so many that have taught before me. And uh, as Jonathan talked last week about Elisha filling up some, some big shoes of Elijah, I feel like I've got some big shoes to fill in after following behind Brother Ken and his lessons as well as Brother Jonathan as they're both great teachers and uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity to, to come into your home today but I do, I do feel like I have big shoes to fill in order to uh, express everything that needs to be expressed tonight. So as you know our auditorium continues to be, be empty and so that's something new for me as a teacher. And uh, I was talking with Jonathan this past week about that some, and he said, well, just pretend like there's people there. So, you know, I, I always see certain faces in the crowd, like Sister Jimmy or Brother JT, as they uh, are always encouraging, and as many others uh, as we have Bible class. And as you know, as a teacher, I like to have discussions. So I miss that opportunity here. And so I'm, I'm so looking forward to, to the time when we can come back together and join together in Bible study face-to-face as well as worship. Uh, know that you're missed. Know that I miss you and, and uh, I appreciate all the kind words that you provide uh, to all of our, our, our workers and our teachers. And uh, I pray that you're healthy at this time as we, as we approach Christmas. I pray that you've had uh, uh, good family gatherings and that, uh, that if you're able to do such and that you'll have a good time uh, uh, as Christmas draws near. Uh, but more importantly, that we remember the time for the season that it is about Christ and the gift that was given to us uh, with his birth and, and ultimately the, the, the most precious gift we were given with, uh, with his death on the cross uh, that, that we could never, never deserve that, that God gave us. And as, as we go through tonight, I want you to take an opportunity to, to like and share this video be intentional about that. Uh, the reason why I say that is because just over the last year, we've had nearly double the impact or the double the outreach on Facebook through our, our video ministry. And I want to thank Brother Brant Sappington. He's been such a great help this year. He has really taken on a great role. And so many others have really stepped up during this time uh, over the past year to, to meet the needs that this congregation has. And, and we want you to know that if you have any needs whatsoever, please reach out to us. Comment on the Facebook page. Reach out to our elders or deacons. Uh, Brother Ken, all of us are wanting to help any way that, you, that we can. So, so please reach out to us. And if there is a way, we will uh, continue to do that. Uh, one of the things I thought about for this lesson, if you have a first grader or a fourth grader, you would know that they've been studying the book of Exodus. And so I, I, I debated on having a, an are you smarter than a, a first grader and a fourth grader because Jack and Luke have both, both been going through Exodus. But, but, but I've heard a long time ago that it's not great to work on video with kids and animals. And I'm sure Brand appreciates me not having, having two kids running back and forth because uh, we have a hard enough time keeping up with Brother Stephen and Brother Kim whenever they're traversing on, on the stage. So I imagine that he's thankful that, that we don't have that. But they did help some today in uh, uh, providing some thoughts and some lessons here because our character is Moses uh, that we're going to be studying today. Now, many, when we mention the name Moses, you might think of uh, Charleston Heston. 
and the movie The Ten Commandments. Well, we're not going to be diving into every story or all the Ten Commandments or everything, but we're going to be taking a broad view tonight uh, as we study this word. And I do have to, have to uh, uh, talk to Stephen at some point and figure out how he got 15 verses in 3 John and, and I was given Moses, which is credited for five books of our Bible. That's a lot to cover in one lesson, and there's no way that we're going to be able to give proper justice to that tonight. And so we're going to take some, some high points through his life. We're going to go from uh, portions of from his birth all the way uh, to, to, to when he died and glean some lessons from that. And hopefully it'll be rewarding to you as, as you seek to, to serve God in your life, as you seek to, uh, to draw closer to his word and to learn. And as I said, our character tonight is Moses. And when we think about Moses, there's so many Bible characters, so, so many Bible stories that our children and, and, and those that are in our Bible studies, or, or you may remember as a child, so many that just come straight to mind because he is uh, involved in so many of those miracles uh, back in the Old Testament. And so from my first lesson, or from my fir first lesson that we're learning here from Moses, we're going to actually see that God's power is great, and it is awesome. Just think for a moment. How many stories can you think of? How many stories can you think of right now about Moses and what he did and what he uh, went through and what God did through him? You know, if we were just going to, to name just a couple, we would think about initially him as a baby, him in the basket, his mother putting him there in order to rescue him. We'll talk about that some. Seeing the burning bush... You may be thinking about talking with Pharaoh and the plagues going uh, uh, whenever he was returned to Egypt. You may think about the Passover, the crossing of the Red Sea, or Mount Sinai, and the Ten Commandments and all the laws that God gave to him. You may think of the pillar of fire that they traveled by night, or even the cloud that they traveled during the day, or building the tabernacle, the serpent of brass, of, of healing, uh, to, to heal them from the, the, the bites sending out the spies to the, uh, to the promised land. We could go on and on and on. And so, as I said, there's, there's no way we can do justice in a 45-minute class uh, when studying for this. And so, as we go through this lesson, realize we're not going to hit everything. But we do see God's power and His love for His people throughout every story. Did God get upset? We're going to see that He did. But... Moses, Moses fought for his people and sought forgiveness, sought God's mercy. Moses was a vessel for God. Moses was an advocate for us against God's power at times or for, against the Israelites, against uh, the power at the, his power at that time. And so we start with this. We acknowledge that Moses allowed God to use him to show his awesome work, his awesome power. And so as we begin we got to go back to Moses' beginning, back to his birth and the circumstances around that. And that's my next lesson, is, is the importance of protecting children. This isn't directly related to Moses and his actions, but to his mother. And not only his mother, but to many women at that time. You see, at that time, the people were enslaved. They were a great number. The Israelites were a great number and a powerful people, but they were enslaved by Pharaoh. And Pharaoh was getting afraid of those people. And so in Exodus 1, 15 through, uh, and through chapter 2 and verse 8, if you want to turn your Bible there, 
Uh, I won't be reading everything tonight, but we will, we, if you want to skim through those areas. We see that Pharaoh has given a command. He's commanded the, the midwives, the ones that help with the birth, to kill all the baby boys. No questions asked. If it's a boy, kill him. If it's a girl, let him live. Well, the midwife says, mm, no, we can't do that. And so whenever Pharaoh said, why are all these boys being born? Well, you know, these Hebrew ladies, they're, they're having babies before we can make it there. They, they, they just do it so quick. Well, we know that wasn't accurate, but the midwives were protecting the children against the rules, against the laws, against the commands at their own risk. They were willing to, 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 to stand up against rules that were not appropriate from the government but for the ultimate protection of their people as well as the children. Pharaoh didn't necessarily like the midwives doing that, so he expanded it. He says, if you see a Hebrew boy, you're called to kill him. Imagine the stress that all those ladies went through, protecting one another, but at the same time fearing every moment of who's going to catch my baby and will they kill my child. And so... We get to the point where Jochebed has had Moses. And we find in the Bible that there are three months that she hides him. Three months. Can you imagine the stress that she went through? Not knowing who was going to be around the corner, not knowing who would, who would come in, hoping he's not crying. Just imagine that stress. And she protected him as long as she could and she ultimately made a basket for him. And this is the story that all of our kids know, that he was placed in a basket and put in the reeds in the, in the Nile River. And she was just hoping, praying, that he would be okay. Because somebody could have found him and said, oh, this is one of those child, children we've got to kill in accordance with the law. Well, I'm pretty sure she had things planned out to some extent. She knew where she was going to place that basket. She knew that Pharaoh's daughter, or Pharaoh's, yeah, Pharaoh's daughter would, would be in the area at that time. And they used that opportunity. She prayed. She watched from a distance to see that her baby would be rescued. And by the providence of God, she was given back her child to help raise him. She was given the opportunity to raise him and so we see that for about three to four years while she was still nursing, because that's how long they nursed at that time because of the diseases in the area, she got to raise her son. She got that time over then to teach him. Not a whole lot, of course, because there's only so much a three and a four-year-old can retain. But she still taught. She still raised him. She, he still grew up in her household. Proverbs 22 and 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and he will not depart from it. So are we taking the opportunities to teach our child, to protect our children, to give them a foundation? And this expands past just our own children. Think about VBS. How many times have we heard someone who has come back to the fold, come back to the congregation because they remember the stories and the lessons that they got at VBS? Such a short time that we may have with an individual, but we use that time, we use that opportunity to teach them the Word, and then that, that, that gives a seed, just a small seed, that eventually they may come back to. And so we don't know who all we may be reaching out to.
in those small moments, in those interactions, even though they're small. But we see here, when, and I firmly believe Moses had that seed placed in him there. We don't know a lot about his, his adolescent years. Um, you know, he, we, we know that he was a Hebrew growing up in, in the palace of the Egyptians, so obviously he would have stood out. He wouldn't have been able to just kind of merge in with them. He would have had some privileges, some teachings that the, the other uh, Hebrew children would not have gotten, um, but just because he was in the palace. But we see even with that teaching, we're going to see he, he didn't have perfect speech. He, he wasn't a good speaker. So he wouldn't have been entirely accepted in the palace because his people are supposed to be enslaved. Why is he here? How did, how did this happen? We're going to see that he probably didn't have the great, or he didn't have the great power that Joseph would have had while he was in, in the palace great command with over, over even the Egyptians, because if he had that, we're going to see later, he, he, he would have had no need to, to kill the Egyptian who was harming the slaves. He could have used another alternative method. But we know that he gave up a lot. From leaving the palace, fleeing Egypt, he left there. We know that he gave up because in Acts, it tells us or sorry, in Hebrews 11, uh, in, in the Great Hall of Faith, it says he left the riches, he, he forewent it in order to have a, a closer relationship with God, in order to seek God's riches. So, you know, in, in, this, in this opportunity, in this position that he's been placed in, it's not a normal position. He's, he's not going to be fully accepted. So in many ways, he's probably had some humility placed upon him just from being in that position because he would not have been fully accepted. And so we're going to see that throughout his life. But at the end of the day, his birth and his beginnings tell us the need to protect children because we don't know what they're going to be able to provide and what they're going to be doing in the future. The next lesson, and, and we're skipping ahead a bit uh, on into to Exodus chapter 3. And, and this is after he's already fled Egypt. He's already left, and, and, and now he's, he's, he's acting as a shepherd, and he's, he's traveling through, through the, the, the fields there, and he sees a bush, a bush burning. And he goes to this bush, and God's telling him, Moses, take off your sandal. This is holy ground. And he tells Moses, this is the plan I have for you. I'm going to want you to go to Egypt and free my people. This whole interaction with God here at, at times is kind of comical uh, uh, to me as I've looked at it. And, and, and at other times, he, Moses is just like us. Some of the responses that he has, I, I could see many of us having. Many of you probably have already made these type of, of statements. So, you know, if we look at verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 11, we're going to see, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? 12, God says, But I will be with you, and this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Why should, it, why should it be me? God says, because I've chosen you. 
because you will do this. I will be with you. Okay, okay. It goes into verse 13. Okay, well, who, who, who should I say that, that sent me? Remember, he doesn't speak very good. Who, who should I say that sent me? And God says, okay, I am who I am. I am has sent you. And I find it interesting that he goes through a long discussion here in verses 14 through 21. Moses asked a quick question, but God has seven verses here of responses back. And we'll go through this just very quickly. I am who I am. Say this to the people. I am has sent me. God has said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. Uh, the Lord has, God has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of the, and say to them, The Lord, the God of your father, and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me, saying, I have observed you and what, you, what has been done to you in Egypt. I promise that I bring you out of affliction of Egyptians to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pezzarites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will listen to your voice, Moses, and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the, uh, the, God of the Hebrews, has met with us, and now please let us go three days into the journey on the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless, you, unless compelled by his hand. So I'll stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go, and I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians when, they, when, when you go, and you shall not go empty. I, I, God, I, I, just, I just asked who was supposed to send me. He gives him the whole plan, the whole expectation. Our, our next point is, if God's with us, who's going to be against us? But here's Moses kind of getting in his own way. Verse chapter 4, verse 1 says, okay. But what if they don't believe me, God? What if they don't believe me? So God says, okay, okay. Here's three signs that you'll be able to prove to say, here, they're with me. Okay, okay, that's great. We get down to verse 10 of chapter 4. Moses goes, God, I don't speak good. I don't speak good. And God goes, I made your mouth. I will give you the words to say. I will give you what you need. And then we see... God kind of get to get to a frustration. Moses is there and he goes, just send somebody else. And God is just about fed up with this. He goes, fine. You can have Aaron. He speaks good. And I'll give you the words to say and he'll speak through you. And then if you look in verse 17, uh, God knows that, that, that Moses needs a little bit of help. And, and I find this, this is just me finding something comical here. And taking your hand, the staff. Do not forget this staff because this is where all the signs and all the wonders and miracles that are going to be performed in the future are going to occur. Don't forget your staff. Don't come up with another excuse. I'm with you, but you've got to take the tools. You've got to take the resources. You've got to take what I've provided to you. I know all this is here for a reason. It's because all these are the same arguments we make. How many times have we been maybe asked to speak a class? Well, there's somebody better than me. 
or do this. Well, so-and-so does that well. How many times do we make excuse? Well, I've got this to do. See, God's with us. Don't, don't make excuses. It doesn't matter. This is not my comfort zone. This is not what's normal for me or for you. But God's with us. God's backing us up in this. God provided Moses with Aaron. When we're missing something, when we're in need of something, God is going to provide. We're going to skip ahead just a little bit here. In this same thought of God's with us, God's going to provide, who's going to be against us? If we look here in Exodus chapter 17, verses 12 through 14, we see the story of where the Amicalites have attacked the Israelites. And so we, we've got this image of Moses going up on a hill to oversee the battle. Now he's joined there with Aaron and with her, and while he's up there, now remember, They've climbed this hill. How old, how old is Moses? He's 80 years old. He's 80 years old at this point. And, and I get in my vision maybe whenever our, our golden circle went to, to Clemens Dome just uh, several years ago. And while they were climbing up, they've got benches up there. And I just, I just hear stories about, well, they made it up there, but they had to stop at every single uh, bench on the way up, the, up on the way to the mountain, up on the hill. So... You, you know that he's tired because it says that as he grew tired, they gave him a stone to sit on. Now, why was it important? Well, they saw that as Moses raised his hands towards God, that God was with them in the battle and that the Israelites were winning. But as he got tired, his arms would fall. He would fail. His strength would go away. And in those moments, the Israelite armies would be defeated or were being beaten. They were losing ground. And so they realized, hey, Moses has to keep his arms up. Moses' strength is gone. He's worn out. He's sitting on a rock. And now his friends, his brother, Aaron, and her are now holding his arms up so that the Israelites can win the battle. See, God's going to provide people to surround us to help us through those moments where we're out of strength, we're out of power. And we're completely relying upon them. See, in those moments, we may be the one that's weak, or we need to see those that are weak and help them through their struggles, through their battles, through their moments of weakness. Now realize, Aaron's not a young man. He's three years older, so he's traveled the same hill. He's gone up, but he's still doing everything he can to help. Moses accomplishes goals. We need those there that are guiding us to lift us up and to support us on the way. And as leaders, we have to realize that we can't do it all alone. We have limits to ourselves, and we need to be able to use others to help us through in order to reach the common goal. There's, there's a study or a word search that you can do through your Bible. Just search one another. And you'll see how we are supposed to support one another. Just as Aaron and her supported Moses in his, in his efforts towards raising his hands towards God. 1 Corinthians 12 and 27 says, We are a body and each part is needed. 
And so we have to rely on one another. We have to support one another. If God is with us, who can be against us? From Romans 8.31, we need to stop making excuses like Moses tried to do. And we need to find solutions like Aaron and Hur did. We know God is on our side for those that are willing to serve Him and do His will. And we need help in realizing that we can't, from others and realize we can't do it on, and on, his own, on our own. I need your support and you need my support. Jumping back a little bit, and as you see, we're going to go back and forth as we see stories that, that support various thoughts. Let's jump back to Exodus chapter 4. We're going to see here that God is going to keep His promise. So in, in 4 and verse 29, we have a scene here where Aaron and Moses have approached the Israelite leaders just like God had told him. Just like, and, it, and it worked out just as God has told him. You're going to do this. You're going to go to the people. You're going to perform these signs, and they're going to believe you. They're going to follow you. They're going to trust you. And so as soon as they showed them, they fell on their knees, they bowed, and they worshiped to God, knowing that God has finally heard their cries and is going to take them out of this land, take them out of the land of Egypt. So they approach Moses, or I'm sorry, Moses and, and the Israelites and Aaron approach Pharaoh in Exodus chapter 5. And they make the same request God asked them to do. Hey, we want to go out into the wilderness for three days and offer sacrifices to our God. Small, simple request. That's what God said. But even in that, God said his heart's going to be hard. Pharaoh did not recognize God or his power as his command and ultimately responded by refusing to allow the Israelites to go. And he says, look, you can't do that. You're required here to do your work and to do your job. Oh, and because you think that you deserve more, you're going to go and find your own straw to make your bricks. We're not going to supply it to you anymore. So their job just got harder. Not only did it get harder, they were expected to do the same number of bricks along the way. See, the, the Israelites, they heard the promise. They heard, hey, God's going to let us go. But they weren't expecting this. And so days went by, and in those moments, they got worn out. They got fed up. And they started really revolting against Moses. Because, the, because it was harsher in verses 5 and 21. If you flip over there, it says, the Lord, look on, these are, these are the Israelites speaking to Moses and Aaron. The Lord, look on, on you and judge, because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Look, you're killing us, Moses. And that's on you, because you came in here and said that he was going to let us go. Just a few days before, those people supported Moses. So Moses turns to God for direction, and God says, Now's the time for me to shine. Now's the time for me to show deliverance and to, for the people to see my power and that I'm going to keep my promise. The land that was sworn to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I'm going to fulfill that promise. And so Moses relayed this message to the people, but they didn't care. He says, look, we're struggling. 
The last time you brought a message to us only brought us misery. But God comes through. God keeps His promises. God shows His, his power and His might through the, the plagues. And we're not going to go through those, but that's in Exodus chapter 7 through 12. They descend on Egypt, and the people who were not there for Moses when all this, uh, after the, the times got harder, now they listen. Now they believe because they see God's power. They see His might. And we see that they're willing to obey and they're willing to follow and do what it takes to, to honor God's Word because when they were told to put the blood on, on their doorpost, they did it before the Passover because they knew that what Moses was saying that God was going to do, He was going to do it. And that last plague was they're going to take the firstborn of every family unless you do this. And so every Israelite family did that. And that night there was weeping and gnashing of teeth as every single Egyptian household lost someone, including Pharaoh. Pharaoh finally relented. He finally let, decided, okay, I'm going to let them go. Finally lets them do it. And the response from even the Egyptian people was, go away, here, here's our gold, here's our silver. Just go, take what you want, take what you need. And God says that the people plundered the Egyptians. Not after a war, not after anything the Israelites did, but from God's promise that He was going to let His people go. God keeps His promises. God's promise to free the Israelites was in process. It was going. But even in that moment, even as they were leaving, Pharaoh changes his mind. We see him coming. We see him saying, no, I want them back. And so now they're between an army and the Red Sea. Pharaoh, why did you bring us out here? Moses, why did you bring it out, out here just for us to die? Just for us to be killed? Why are you doing this to us again? But God continues to keep his promise. And we see one of the great miracles that all of our kids know about, the parting of the Red Sea. See, God's going to provide way through whatever obstacle we find. He's going to get us there. He's going to get us through. And you know what? There were lots of turns, lots of unexpected that the people didn't know what was going to happen. We can't see the visions. We can't anticipate what God's going to provide or what He's going to do or how He's going to see us through. Just like the way right now, we, we can't plan for the future right now because we don't know how long we're going to be in a situation like this with this empty building but we're still the church. We still have a calling and we're still going to reach out to our brothers and sisters who are in need and to our community in the best ways that we know how in a safe and, and uh, manner. No matter what twists, no matter what turns occur, no matter what obstacles, God's going to keep His promise to us. The path may be difficult, may seem insurmountable, but we're going to be provided for. We're going to see, just like the Israelites, that sometimes people are not going to support us at some point in our, in, our, in our walk. And that's okay. But we've got to always turn back to God. We've got to do just like Moses. Okay, what's the next step? Because what we learn from Moses is he always goes back to God whenever the times get tough. Knowing that that's where his strength, that's where his source of, of energy comes from. And so we've got to do something very similar. Always going back to God, knowing that He's going to keep His promise.
and that he's going to find solutions for us. So here they are. They've crossed the Red Sea. The, the Egyptian army's been destroyed behind them. And, and the next lesson point is sing and give glory to God. Sing and give glory to God. We see in Exodus chapter 6 a song recorded by Moses and the Israelites uh, as well. Not 6, but chapter, I believe that's chapter 15. God's given us the victory, and they record that. And so we need to rejoice and give glory to Him and remember what He's done. Songs help us to do that. And I imagine if we would have asked Moses back then, Moses, are you a good singer? I imagine he said, no, I'm not a good singer, just like I'm not a good speaker. But you know what he did? He sang. Because he wanted to give God the honor and glory that was due after passing through an insurmountable obstacle on dry ground that utterly destroyed his enemies behind him. He was ready to step forward. He was ready to sing and give God the praise. And it wasn't just a one-time song. We know that they would have sung this before and, or, or sung, it, sung it later on as a way to remember it. You know, we, we use those. There's always a song that we have that may remind us of a time, that may give us that energy that helps us to, to build back up. God provides, but He expects us to trust and obey Him as well. This was one of the things that the Israelites struggled with most, and, and Moses knew, I've got to obey God, I've got to, to follow Him, I've got to do what He says, and I'm doing my best to pull these people behind me. I'm doing my best to get them there. We see that as they go through the desert, their provisions that they brought with them, the food and, and the water that they would have brought out of Egypt, it starts to run out. There's millions of, of, of Israelites that are, that are making this journey. And so they start to get grumpy. Hey, we've got no water. And understandably, you know, hey, why did you bring us out of Egypt just for us to die in this desert? Been better for us to have been slaves. Again, they're forgetting that, hey, God just brought you through the Red Sea. He's going to keep His promise just like He did before. But you know what? He's going to provide too. We see that He provided water. And they were in Marah. And, and while they were there, the water there, it was bitter. Moses throws in a stick showing God's power. And the water was potable. They go to, to Elam and there's an oasis with 12 springs of water. Again, they're provided for. They go through the desert further and they run out of water. And we see in Exodus 17, God instructs Moses, use the staff that I told you to bring along with you. Use that staff and strike the rock. He was commanded to strike the rock in that moment. And water came forth. God's going to provide. When we're in a dry, weary desert, God's going to provide. People grumbled, God provided. We're out of food. God provides manna and quail. Now, realize, He provided manna and quail for 40 years. And they had to gather that every day, except for the Sabbath. They had to gather. It was a daily reminder of God's provision. The Lord's Prayer says, Give us this day our daily bread. So, yeah. We, we all have, have pantries and how often we go into and go, well, it's full, but there's nothing to eat. These people had to go out every day 
knowing that what they were gathering was solely provided by God. God's provided so much for us in our country that, that we just we don't realize it. How thankful would we be if we had to gather God's blessings every day, knowing that without them, we wouldn't survive. You see, one of these, if I can get caught up, you'll see one of these pictures in the bottom right. They were instructed to gather double portions the day before the Sabbath. They didn't do it. They went out to gather on the Sabbath, and there was nothing for them to eat. God gives us the opportunity. He gives us the ability to trust and obey. But when we don't do that, there are consequences. And the Israelites faced them. Moses faced consequences. Numbers 13 through 14, God commanded the 12 spies to, be, to go and inspect the land. God knew that the land was plentiful, but he wanted the people to see for themselves how wonderful that land that he had promised them so long ago was going to be for them. And they went and they found grapes that they had to carry back on, uh, two men had to carry back. And they come back and, and Joshua and Caleb and they say, the land, we can, we can fight these people, we can take the land with God's help, it's ours. But there were ten other spies that said, no, they're too strong. They forgot everything God has done for them. They failed to trust God. Despite the pleas of Joshua and Caleb to the people to say, we can do this, the people said, no, we're not going to do it. And so there was a consequence to that. There was a consequence. And so that led them to, to wander in the desert for 40 years. That's punishment. They, they got to explore the land for 40 days, and God said, for every day, one year. And we also, we're, we're going to see that even Moses wasn't able to enter into the promised land for a different reason. We see that no matter what, they often failed and only looked for the here and now. They failed to look for God's trust or God relying on God. Often we fall into the same trap, looking in our present circumstances, losing sight of what God has provided His Son and what He will provide, a home in heaven, if we trust and we obey. Those are God's promises, but we have to obey. Moving on a little bit, we're going to skip over to, to Exodus 18. One of the things that we learn from Moses is listen to good advice. You see, Moses, he was a great leader, but at the same time, he didn't really know how to lead either. Jethro, his father-in-law, comes to him saying, why is everybody coming looking to you for answers? Why are, they, why are everybody waiting for you to give your words or to give you for you to give an account. And he says, listen, the task is too great just for you. Find some judges, find some other people that are able to take on this duty, and then if they can't handle it, then, then you bring it up to them. But do all this, not because I'm recommending it, but because God blesses it, because it's appropriate from God. 
Moses did so, and it was acceptable to God. Christians, we must be open to instructions, ways to, to improve what we're doing, ways to, to be more effective, ways to not wear ourselves out because we're not willing to share the load. Listen to good advice. So many have walked this path before us, and we, and we need to listen and heed their words, but we also have to balance that with God's will and with God's instructions. See, Jethro wanted to make Moses more effective, and, and we'll discuss Aaron when he built the calf later, but see, Aaron failed to weigh what the people wanted to do against God's instructions, and that's where he failed in his leadership. Moses always said, is this, God, is this, the, is this, is this how it needs to be? Is this how, I, how you want me to go through this? And so we need to approach when we're giving advice just like Jethro did. I will give you advice and may God be with you. If you do this and God so commands is what the Bible says. You see, Jethro understood that Moses was a man of God. And so he said, look, don't do this on me, but do it because God says so. So we always need to approach those discussions with God's interest and His glory in mind and for our purpose. You know, God can use us no matter what our mistakes are. You see, Moses, he was raised an Egyptian in the palace. He was grown. He was about 40 years old, according to Acts 7. Whenever he came and made probably the biggest mistake of his life at that point, you see, he saw his people being harmed, and his response was to look around, make sure nobody is watching, and he killed an Egyptian soldier, or, or one of the overseers, rather. See, he didn't have necessarily... This is why I said earlier, I don't think he had the political power, because he could have said, hey, stop, and that man would have stopped. He didn't take that path. He went and defended his people. Moses was now a wanted man. Pharaoh wanted him killed because that action got out in the open. It was common knowledge to some extent. Pharaoh wanted Moses killed, and so luckily Moses was able to, to flee. God still found him. Despite the past mistakes, despite running from, from errors in the past, God found a way to use Moses. And God can use us, despite our mistakes. You see, there was another time that Moses also struck a rock. Except for this time, he wasn't instructed to. He was told to speak to the rock. And in that, in that moment, that mistake, where before him killing the, the soldier, forced him to leave Egypt, this consequence prevents him from ever entering into the promised land. You see, Moses, the writer of the law that was given to him by God, was not even able to enter into the promised land because he couldn't keep the Word of God. That is a lesson that we know that Christ is such a greater blessing to us because he lived that perfect life. Now, in, in my, my study for this, I, I found uh, some, some analogy on this rock. 
You see this rock in 1 Corinthians 10, in verse 4, and it says, talking about the, the Israelites, they all drank from the same spiritual rock, for they were drinking from a, rock, a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. You see, this rock, Christ, he was struck and ultimately placed on the cross. That's very much what Moses did to the rock. It was struck once, and it produced water that saved the people. Christ being upon the cross was struck to ultimately save us. And see, if Moses had spoke to the water, or spoke to the rock, water would have come forth. That life-giving flow. Because it didn't need to be struck again. It had already been struck once. See, we need to take the opportunities to speak to Christ and get the life flow, the life, living water, that everlasting water from Him. That is what, you know, if we were to look back, God probably intended. But how many times can we place ourselves in Moses' shoes and realize our sins are just striking that rock again? putting Christ back up on the cross again when He doesn't deserve it. It's not required. He's already paid that price. So we need to examine ourselves and to make sure that we're not striking the rock when it's not supposed to be done that way. Heeding God's words to always call out to Christ. Moses is striking that rock. See, Moses was a great man, but he made mistakes and he sinned. He made quick and bad decisions and moments in his life in anger and frustration. You know, he, he, threw, he threw the Ten Commandments down after he'd been up on the mountain out of frustration with the Israelites. Front and back, two tablets written. It resulted in consequences. But God still used him. God didn't punish Moses immediately after, after he struck the rock from a, a, an immediate consequence. It was an ultimate consequence for him that he wouldn't go into the promised land. Just like if we fail and we don't heed and we don't make up or don't, don't seek Christ for, for our mistakes, we may not enter into heaven, the promised land God's provided. Christ is our cornerstone. He is our rock. God can still use us no matter our mistakes. God set a precedent. Moses could not reach the promised land under the Mosaical law. Just like works cannot get us into heaven, only Jesus can get us there and us following his words. You see, one of the things that is continually seen in Moses' actions throughout his life is his humility before God. Yes, he got frustrated. Yes, you know, these, the, the Israelites probably drove him uh, uh, near mad. But he always fought for those people before God. He was always willing to do a self-sacrifice from chapter 19 all the way through 31 of Exodus. Some Israelites lost their lives as a result of their own actions. But Moses was always there to say, Lord, don't blot them out of the book. Blot me out of your book. He was willing to give up his own life so that the people of God would live. 
You see, they were up on the, he was up on the mountain getting the laws. And his brother failed to hold that faith, failed to hang on to those rules. And it resulted in 3,000 deaths because Aaron was willing to make a calf for the people. Moses asked for mercy, but God still punished them with a plague. But Moses realized that he had to do everything he could to hold back God's wrath against the people because he knew the power of God. He had seen it. He was first-hand knowledge of it. He had spoken with God. And I don't know how the people around him ever forgot that, but they continually did. Now, granted, in this situation, Moses had been gone for a month, for a month. And so they're like, what happened? What do we do? We've got to stay strong. Aaron didn't stay strong. You see, it got so bad that if you look in Numbers 14, God's like, I'm just going to start over. You know, I gave Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob this promise, and now I'm going to give it to you. But Moses says, no, 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 no. Imagine what the people around us will think if you do that. We will continue to be the laughing. We will be the laughing stock at that point if all of your people die. See, Moses could have been one of those four. Just the next line in continuing on the promise that God had made. But he said, no, the time for your promise is now with these people. Let's not wait any longer. Save these people. You see, he cared. People over 20 didn't make it through to see the promised land. But they wandered through the desert for 40 years. Moses was that advocate for the Israelites, just as Christ is an advocate for us. You see, we have to be humble and seek God and His forgiveness. Moses was constantly frustrated, but he constantly sought forgiveness. He could have been a father of a new nation, but he didn't want that. He was a humble leader and pleaded for God's mercy to keep Israel as His people. He wanted God to be glorified. That's what Moses wanted. You see, he had a desire to be with God, to see His glory, and we need to have a desire that God to be with us and us with Him. See, Exodus 33, 12 through 21, God had threatened to not let, let the people follow, or not to lead His people through the, through the cloud. He's like, you go here, I'll meet you there, but if I go with you, I'm probably going to kill all the people because I'm just that frustrated. Moses pleaded and said, continue to guide us, so that, and he and Moses continued to learn from God. God relented and continued to lead the people. God, uh, Moses desire, desired to see God's glory. And God granted it. We sang a, a song this morning, A Wonderful Savior, which is coming from this scene where God puts Moses on the cleft of the rock, covers him with his hand so that he can't see his face, but removes, it, removes the hand so that he can see the back of God. Moses saw God. And in those moments... It changed. It changed Moses. Physically, 
it could be seen because he radiated. The tablets were rewritten. And Moses had to wear a veil because he had been in the presence of God. Imagine if people could see the difference in us in the time that we desire to draw, to draw closer to God, to be closer with Him and to see that difference in us to the point that it's noticeable. Moses did that. Moses sought, that sought to be in God's glory and the people could see and notice the difference. The last point and last lesson, you see there's tremendous opportunity of growth that we see in Moses. We go from a man who said, no, send someone else, I'm not the man to do this, to a leader that was willing, ready, and able to sacrifice himself for his people, who constantly sought for their forgiveness, and he ultimately rose up a new leader in Joshua to lead the people into the battles, to lead them across the Jordan, and ultimately take the promised land. You see, we don't know what growth or what path that we may have, but we know that God's going to provide growth along there if we're seeking Him as Moses did. You see, Moses is a great example of, of the ups and the downs that we go through. We see his whole life from beginning to end, essentially, and we see where he was humble. We see where he was raised up. We know that that growth is capable for us. But we don't need to do the excuses like Moses started out. Moses accepted everything that happened. He understood it, but he still wanted to move forward. He still wanted to get closer to God, to get closer to that glory. You see, just as Moses led up and raised a new people, that's our challenge too. Are we raising the next generation right to be able to take on this path, to take on this walk, and to have the strength to do it? The people that have gone on before us, they've walked that path. It's time for us to do that. It's time for us to take lead at times. It's time for each of us to take our responsibilities in God's kingdom. Too often we fail, too often we give excuses, but I pray that you will take opportunities as you see them to be a servant as Brother Ken has talked about, to be one that truly wants to serve. Are we where we want to be today? Probably not. Moses wasn't. But every step draws us closer. Thank you so much for listening today. We're going to close in a word of prayer, and the lesson will be yours. Thank you so much uh, for, for, for taking time out of your evening to, to join us in this lesson. Would you bow with me? Father God, we thank you so much. We thank you for the life that, and the, the, the records of Moses. We thank you for the lessons that we can glean from him. We pray that we will use some of these lessons from that he learned along the way or that we can see from his life and that we may be able to, to use them ourselves, Father, to realize that we always need to draw closer to you, that we always need to seek you, that we need to be advocates for one another, help one another, 
in our times of need, in our struggles, to know no matter what failings we may have had in the past that we can still be of service to you, and that no matter our age that we can help others, whether we're young or whether we're old, Father God, help us to be your hands and your feet in this, this community. Lord God, we pray for an end to this pandemic. We pray for, for cures. And Father God, we pray for souls that can be brought to you. Lord God, may we always seek you. We thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for that gift that you provided for us, for his life and for his death that gives us life. May we not strike him again, Father. May we seek to do your will. Forgive us where we fail you, Father. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us tonight.